Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome on back to another edition of the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. It is Friday, October 11th. My name is Jake Luke. I'm one of your hosts, and I'm joined by my co-host, Spencer Schultz. What's going on, bud? Hey, what's up, guys? We have three episodes this week. We like trying to give you guys the most content, so here you go. Yep, definitely. This is the third one of the week. Starting to get a little burnt out, a little bit sick of you, just to, you know, have everything on the table here. Um, we did do. I like to look at you. I like looking at you, but I don't like hearing you at this point. Well, yeah, that's probably a fair point. Um, yeah, so we're we're doing our third episode of the week. We had a jam packed one on Wednesday with Matt Waldman, a tape guru who broke down a little bit of Lamar Jackson with us. I shouldn't say a little bit because he gave us like forty five minutes. Then on then after that we had Vasily Larikos, our old buddy, join the show to give a little bit of a quarterly report on how he thinks the team has done so far. So that was a pretty awesome episode. So check that out if you have not. We're back here on a Friday to preview the Bengals coming into town to take on the three and two Ravens. Uh, yeah, so I guess we should just jump right into it. What do you say? Yes, sir. I'm ready. Yeah. So. This feels like a game, Ravens 3-2, and two, Bengals struggling. I, they haven't won a game yet, right? They have not. They are one of, what is it, the Skins, the Dolphins, the Bengals, and that's it? I think it The might, teams that haven't won a game yet? Jets maybe still haven't. Ah, uh, Jets, yeah. Okay, so there's four. Four teams in tank season, but hopefully the Jets, who were my freaking preseason AFC East champion, are able to squeak out an eight and eight so i don't look like a complete dick but yeah uh things not looking so hot for those four teams i'd say i'd say the Bengals are the most like veteran of 
those four and kind of have like the most stability in a way. Do you agree with that or no? Yeah, the Bengals, they I feel like they probably, you know, are better than 0-4 at this point. They played the Seahawks really tough in Seattle. They gave the Bills a little bit of a game, but, you know, they were just kind of overmatched against the Steelers. And uh, who was their other loss? Um, they played well against the Seahawks. They 49ers. got schlacked by the Steelers. They got schlacked by the Niners. And they lost to the Bills in a close one. Yeah, so they kept it close against the Seahawks in Seattle, which is not easy to do. I get that it was week one, but still, they they looked good throwing it to, you know around to John Ross a little bit, uh, who I think is dealing with an injury now. But I don't know. I just, it feels like they shouldn't be 0-4 at this point, but here they are. Um, yeah, it's just been a really tough start for them. But I think everyone kind of knew that it was going to be a rebuilding year for them with the way that they constructed their roster and the fact that they had some unexpected stuff happen along the O-line. Um, you know, as far as injuries go. So it's definitely been a rough start to the year for them. Like I said, you know, I think they're a little bit better than that. But we're going to see on Sunday because the Ravens are, you know, they've performed well against the bad team so far and kind of taking care of business in those games. But they go to Kansas City, they play a good team and they give them a fight, but they lose. And then, you know, they just drop a, a big time game to the Cleveland Browns, it's looking even worse now because the Browns are at two and three. And if you win that game, then you're in a really good spot right now, but they didn't. And they're not quite frankly, they're, you know, atop the AFC North, but it's still going to be a close race here. And this game I think is going to show us whether they're ready to compete down the stretch um, or if they're just kind of a fraud pretender. I, I don't know. Yeah. So an interesting thing to me with the Ravens being really up and down is I kind of looked at football outsiders who is kind of the original like PFF and PFF definitely does a lot of different things than football outsiders. But the DVOA kind of contributed to PFF becoming like this grading scale and whatnot. And I feel like PFF has kind of blown up a little bit more, a little bit more popularity to like the common fan. But anyway, so football outsiders, one of their strongest indicators of a a good team or a successful team is as opposed to uh, playing well or winning close games against better competition, they consider blowing out a bad team to be a more telltale sign of a good team so good teams blow out bad teams uh, more often than good teams beat good teams if that makes sense so if you're playing tight games against bad teams that's not good in other words Uh, so the Ravens have played to this point I don't want to call the Steelers a bad team because their defense is pretty damn good they're they're seventh in DVOA right now Um, they've got some playmakers they do have a really good offensive line but they're definitely not looking so hot um, as far as being able to just win games Anyway, Dolphins, Cardinals, Steelers are kind of struggling, and we've seen a mixed bag where they annihilated the Dolphins, as everyone else pretty much has. They handedly beat the Cardinals, but the Cardinals gave them some problems, and then the Ravens probably should have lost in Pittsburgh. So it's been really up and down. So if they're able to kind of just roll through the Bengals, I think that'll be a nice, strong indicator that this is a better team and, you know, a top half of the NFL team, uh, a playoff relative team. So as we get into the middle of the season, I think this is a nice measuring stick of a game if you will i think i oversimplified it there saying you know if they win then they're going to be in contention and if they lose then they're frauds but you know i didn't really mean it like that i meant it more of like if they win then they're really going to be in the race here for the afc north and you know if they lose i don't necessarily want to say that they're frauds or anything but it just feels like a game where 
if they go out there and, like you said, really take care of business, blow them out and do what they're supposed to do, then I think it's going to be a huge confidence builder for them going forward, if that makes sense at all. Especially as the pendulum is going to keep swinging back home to away, home to away. And the Ravens just got schlacked by the Browns at home. Um, That was I'm trying to think the last time the Ravens lost at home in that fashion. I want to say it was the Broncos uh, this Super Bowl year. I don't I can't recall any blowouts at home like that. I think every other loss has been pretty close over the last like five years at home. If, can you think of any blowouts at home? I mean, you were mentioning the Super Bowl year. They lost to the Patriots big time uh, in a primetime game at home the year after that. Okay, uh, yeah. And then, I don't know, maybe the... No, even the 5-11 and 11 year, I think they were competitive in most of those games. So it's... T- I don't really count that one. I don't know. That was crap, but still... Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I mean, they they usually find a way to keep it competitive at home and they just weren't able to do it against Cleveland. But even I don't know, I wouldn't even say that because that was a much closer game than I think the final score indicated. I mean, people, you know, it's easy to forget that they had scored that touchdown. They go for two and you're like, holy shit, we got a good shot at winning this thing. All they have to do is get the ball back. And then Nick Chubb rips off a 85 yard run or whatever. And that's that. So. Yeah, it was 10-7 at halftime. I mean, it was definitely competitive, but then they just got freaking crushed in, like, the third quarter. Um, Ravens have been really bad in the third quarter, I feel like, and second quarter. They've been, like, heavy heavy to start, heavy to finish. And it feels like between those two ends, they've been not great. I know that they're – I think they're second, and probably a lot of it's because of the Dolphins game, but I think they're second in point differential in the first quarter. I think they're, like, plus 27 in the first quarter. And I feel like the script comes out and the Ravens like score almost every opening drive. I th- I think they have scored every opening drive where they've had the ball this season, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe one game they didn't. Um, probably against the Browns, actually. But I feel like they are nice and methodical and move the ball well. And there's this great game plan that's kind of diverse. And then it's really inefficient in the middle quarters and there's been a couple turnovers lately. And then in the fourth quarter, they kind of come storming back to win or to make the game competitive again. So I'd like to see a little bit, a little bit more action and discipline in those middle quarters as the game kind of gets mixed up. And I think it has to do with those in-game adjustments we were talking about by the coaching staff, but we shall see. uh, It's a good opportunity to bring up a question we got on Twitter from uh, Jay Givens Mazur. Sorry if I got that wrong. He said, is the inability slash unwillingness to make halftime or in-game adjustments a function of the coaching staff relying on metrics over the in-game feel? As in, do they trust metrics more than their judgment? So do you think it's like more of a feeling thing or they're just kind of sticking with what the numbers are saying is working for them to, you know, kind of a fault? I think that is the best question we've ever gotten in any form. I absolutely love that question. And I'm not going to be, I'm not that confident in my answer, but just based on the eyeball test and how I feel is that they're stuck between the two. They're stuck between the in-game adjustment and the analytics. And I feel like Harbaugh has, like, it's great that they're bringing analytics in and and he loves it clearly. And I love the going for two. I love the the, the fourth down conversions. I've been a proponent of that for a few years now and and the nerds, the football nerds, and I consider myself in that category for sure all say to do those things, but it might be a little bit too much chatter. I don't know. This is like just kind of dumb, but when you look at Harbaugh in crucial decisions, he doesn't look decisive. He doesn't look confident. He looks like he's thinking like, 
torn between two things constantly. Um, and I'm not, I'm not talking about like going forward on fourth down, I'm talking about challenges and just other crucial situations. He's like bent over and like, looks very stressed out. Um, so I, I feel like it's kind of like trying to find the balance still. And I don't think they've been able to, to the point that they would like, but I think it's probably a work in progress. And, um, I know Harbaugh said that basically his gut reaction, he's still using like his emotional aspect and the momentum aspect. He's still using way more than the analytics guys they've hired would like, but the Ravens are being applauded around the NFL for their decision-making in regards to analytics and winning probability and all that good stuff. So, um, I think it'll take, you know, Barring something dramatic, Harbaugh is going to be around for a couple more years. So I'd like to see a nice large sample size from 2019 to like the end of 2021 into 2022, like that regular season and just like go back and look at how they've been through those situations. So I really love that question. And long story short, I think he's kind of stuck between the middle of the two. I think, yeah, I I really like it. Um, I've been talking, you know, about analytics on this podcast pretty much since we started it back in the spring and when they made all, you know, the three hires that they did into their uh, front office. So I, I'm all the way, you know, into it, but I would like to see it. I think it's, I like the decision-making. I'd like to see it with a full arsenal of talent. Like it feels like, imagine if like the chiefs were doing this this year with all the talent that they have and a quarterback, especially imagine if Andy Reid were just completely cutting it loose and saying, fuck it. We're going for it on every fourth down. We're going for two every single time. Like it feels like they'd have more success than not. Right. Yeah. I feel like they're kind of aggressive too. And it's, it's not that Harbaugh is the first, I mean, Sean Payton and Doug Peterson, Doug Peterson, since he took over in Philly, even in Wentz's rookie year, the year they went seven and nine and actually came to Baltimore and played a pretty close, entertaining game. They went for um, two at the end there. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, river, riverboat Ron down there is definitely a, uh, definitely a gambler as they say, but it, it feels like he's definitely, so older. he's not the first, but it feels like it's the first one. That's very much like a deliberate, like analytics department is kind of getting into yes. his ear, like, and saying, absolutely. Yeah, do this. Like with, with Peterson, it's, he just strikes me as a guy who's just like swashbuckling and like, I'm just going to go for it. Like with Harbaugh, exactly. it feels like he's evolved into that. Yes, it is premeditated. We are going to go for two. Like it's like throughout in the in the offseason, it was like a collaborative and decisive effort. And whereas Peterson's like, oh, we fucking got this. We're going for two. Like we got it. And then Peterson will just have like, you know, a confident kind of eagle eye. Uh, this look of confidence. And I just don't feel that from Harbaugh. And, you know, maybe that's not something that's important, but I like to consider myself pretty adept at reading people. And. I feel like he's very torn up in these decisions at the same time. So uh, I think they're still trying to figure it out and, and see whether it's working or not. I feel like it has for the most part. I mean, again, going back to the Browns game, the going for two stuff um, didn't cause them to lose. They wouldn't have had the lead. They would have had to score still. They didn't end up getting a chance to. And if they had converted those, they would have won. They would have been, had the lead there, and it would have been a different game. And then against the Steelers last week, you know, I like that they learned and adapted from like trying to be too cute with the play calling. It feels like the play calling is now as aggressive as the decision is aggressive. As in Gus Edwards and Mark Ingram are just going to come punch it in your punch you in the jaw on third and one, fourth and one, two point conversions. And that's what I wanted after the Chiefs game. That's what I wish they were doing in that game instead of you know 
a little bit more gimmicky and, and some fly sweep stuff and, you know, the like little trick stuff to Hollywood or whatever that I feel like was in the Chiefs game. So I think they're all starting to get on the same page now, and I do appreciate it for sure. I'm happy to see the aggressiveness and the confidence to be able to do it. Yeah, definitely. It's um, it's something that the numbers just completely back up saying is correct, even if it's not perfectly executed. There are just numbers that state that it's correct to just be aggressive a lot of the time. And it's worked really well for them on fourth down. It hasn't worked as well for them in two point situations, which is tough because two point you have such a condensed area of the field to kind of make it happen. You know, it's going to be something short or it's probably not going to work. And so they just need to definitely tighten that up a little bit. Um but, you know, to their credit, they got you know, the Browns to jump off sides uh, during that game, and then they just kind of ran it in one-yard run. So if you can get into that right. simple situation, that's always good. I guess sort of moving into the game proper, what is your outlook for what the Bengals' offense is going to be able to do? You know, it sans A.J. Green, I think Ross is hurt as well. I'm not totally sure what their injury report's saying right now, but... I think he's going to be like doubtful to play like he's not going to play. So what is this Zach Taylor offense going to be bringing into Baltimore? It hasn't. They have a veteran quarterback, and that's why I was kind of saying, you know, the of the teams that haven't gotten a win yet, the Bengals are kind of more stable personnel wise. And they've definitely brought some of the route concepts and the the 11 personnel and the trip stuff, um, but they're not doing as we love to say square peg round hole Andy Dalton loves RPO he loves to get the ball out quick and that's why he always hurts the Ravens the Ravens struggle against quarterbacks that get the ball out quick and generally quarterbacks that get the ball out quick do better if they're you know talented as opposed to like a backup quarterback throwing screens or something but so they like to run RPO they have a really nice uh, zone running game inside outside considering that their line stinks I mean their line stinks on ice it's it's bad but the offense, while being quick, also gets vertical quick up the seams. And I actually have always, you know, I've, I've always really liked Andy Dalton. I think that he's talented and he has these like really rough, weird games and stretches and like kind of reminds me of Flacco in that sense through the ups and downs. And like, I don't know, I, I feel like he can make all the throws and when he's on, he's on and he's really good. Um, it's just they have a very porous offensive line this year. So I'm expecting them to attack the perimeter and it's going to be difficult for them because they all of a sudden Auden Tate. Uh, it was a, a massive body and definitely a red zone threat, but an inexperienced receiver and uh, not the typical Sean McVay, Zach Taylor, Matt LaFleur receiver. They're usually a little quicker and a little bit more route savvy and uh, kind of speedy, but he's their second receiver all of a sudden. And if they want to do these quick hitters and kind of the stuff that's been hurting the Ravens out of trips and, and these little pick routes and RPOs and all that good stuff. Auden Tate's probably going to make some mistakes mentally, and that's going to force Andy Dalton to hold the ball. Obviously, I believe Humphrey will give Tyler Boyd the same treatment he gave Juju and Odell and, and kind of lock up. And, you know, maybe Boyd's able to win one here or there. But for the most part, Humphrey's going to be on his hip and able to stick with him. But this offense, if it gets into a rhythm, it's scary. And 
it's scary because the quick passing game, no matter how bad you are, if you're efficient with it, how bad your line is, it can negate that. So the best way to hide your line is to get the ball out quickly. I mean, the Patriots line is really ailing right now. They have tons of injuries. Um, they also lost Trent Brown in free agency, but Brady just gets the ball out so damn quick and they have such clean route combinations and concepts. It doesn't matter. They don't have, they're not asking their linemen to block for four seconds very frequently as opposed to other teams. So if the Ravens are able to disrupt rhythm and kind of force Dalton to hold the ball and scan the field. I mean, he can go through his progressions, but he's just at his best getting the ball out quick. So that's kind of the, the war of attrition for me is getting the underneath stuff and the screens and the RPO slants and the, and the quick route concepts kind of glued down. And if they can push the ball deep, that's what I want the Ravens to ask teams to or force teams to do make them throw it at Earl Thomas make them throw it deep at Marlon Humphrey and those guys and to be frank kind of moving to the defensive side of the ball I'm really excited to see Chuck Clark Uh, there's been all this talk I think he's played really well this year he hasn't made any mistakes I haven't seen him out of place I've seen him making good tackles and I think he looks a little bit more lean and bigger uh, this year so excited to see what he can do but that's my thoughts on on their offense kind of if Andy Dalton's name were like Dan Martin and he had like brown or black hair and was like six four and jacked. I already but, love this point. But so had much. the same but had the same like literal same resume, would he get nearly the amount of shit that he gets? No, I don't think so. He's, he's such an easy man. target. Like his, his name's Andy and he's like got the red hair and he's like not, not even Andrew. He's not Andrew Dalton. He's that would Andy. even be better. Yeah, and he's like not really physically imposing at all, and he's just this kind of like got the nice guy thing going on. Like I feel like because I'm with you, I've kind of grown to like him, too, but he's such an easy target that it's tough. It is kind of like Flacco, like Flacco came to the league. He's got the stupid name and like he's this big, goofy white dude. And, you know, he's, you know, not really lighting it up out there. So it's it's easy to sort of take pot shots at them. But, uh, you know, I feel like Dalton has been somewhat underrated throughout his career because of those uh, limiting factors. He's also had the benefit of I think AJ Green is and Ravens fans don't feel this way, but I feel like outside of the Ravens fan perspective and kind of the AFC North, like AJ Green is incredibly underrated for his body of work and for his athletic ability and just overall. I mean, AJ Green is a monster. He had a prolific start to his career. He's really one of the all time greats already. Um, So he's a huge loss. And I think that's definitely been a reason why Andy Dalton's been able to be a little bit more successful um, trying to look at Andy Dalton's career passing years. I mean, he's hit 4,000 yards a couple times. He's usually around, you know, 20, 25 touchdowns. He ended up throwing 33 uh, back in 2013. So, yeah, I think that the loss of A.J. Green is obviously huge, as any Ravens fan can tell you. But, yeah, I like Dalton. Is he is this his last year in Cincinnati, do you think? Andy? Yeah. I'm not sure about his contract. I From what I've just seen on Twitter and stuff – Yes, as I just watched, the Patriots get a pick, and now the Giants pick off Tom Brady and take the ball all the way back to the other side of the field. But I think this is probably his last year. I don't think Zach Taylor wants somebody else's kind of tainted goods. You know, he's this offensive guy. He probably wants the. I can see the Bengals with Jake Fromm next year, but I feel like he wants a, a his own gunslinger to kind of mold and implement the system on. I feel like Jake Fromm is kind of similar to Andy Dalton. No, no way. I don't think so. Jake Fromm's a badass. I think he has like – he reminds me of – trying to think. Like, I can't, he reminds me I, of like Kirk Cousins. 
no, 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 no. Like, no I don't way. think he's bad. But... He's the antithesis. He is so clutch. He has ice in his veins. No. Just All like, yeah, no, just like as a player, I'm not talking about like situationally, but just like watching him back there and like some of the decisions that he makes, like, I don't know. I just, yeah, he seems like a little cousin's to me. I think that the Georgia offense is so predicated on like run game. It's kind of this, like, it's a little bit. Yeah, it feels like he plays within the offense so much. It's like he's a big dude who's like strong. I want to see him do more. But I don't think he – like, I don't think there's much more he – I feel like he's limited by Georgia is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, no, I, I would probably agree with that. I don't know much about their offense, but just based on his physical talent, it feels like he could be doing a lot more, you know, improvisation. SEC, run the ball first, like, big offensive line, great running backs, and then passing game is supplemental as opposed to – the air raids of the world and stuff. So it's kind of the opposite. And if you look at LSU, for instance, it's kind of like a bigger example where they've been forcefully pro style more so than NFL teams are. So it's kind of sounds stupid saying pro style, but like under center power formations and stuff. Um, and then this year for the first time, LSU finally has adapted into kind of like a modern offense shotgun and whatnot. Joe Burrow's lighting it up. And if Georgia had a more modern offense, I think we would be talking about Jake Fromm very differently. But I can see what you mean. He gets the game manager label from a lot of people and rightfully so with the way their offense is constructed and stuff. Um, so I agree with you for sure. If you had to, let's say you're at the roulette table and like the point, the like final point number that their offense puts up on Sunday, let's leave like special teams and fluky stuff out of it. If you had to like put chips on a number to like win a ton of money, what would it be? 16, um, 16. Yeah. I'm going with 16. What color? Red because of Andy Dalton's hair. Yeah, that's kind of what I was going for. Okay, so 16 <laughs> points. So is there any reason why the Ravens offense shouldn't be able to score more than 16 points on this defense? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. The Bengals do have Lawson and Atkins and whatever. And I really do like their secondary. Kirkpatrick, Sean Williams. Um, what's their free safety name? Can't think of. Jesse Bates. Jesse Bates. They're Blake a good Forrest, young group. Yeah. But they have zero depth. Their linebackers stink. And the Ravens offense makes life really difficult on linebackers. And I think that the Bengals are going to kind of come up into the box and try and stop the run more than other teams have. Maybe kind of more similar to the Dolphins and kind of like the Steelers did a bit. And I think that there's going to be deep shots galore because I feel like the scheme and Greg Roman – if he's relatively better than he has been the last couple of weeks, uh, I think the Ravens light them up. And I, I feel like I feel like the Ravens are just going to kick their ass. Generally, I think the Ravens, from an emotional standpoint, as a Ravens fan, are due to absolutely crush the Bengals once they haven't in, I think, like six years since is the last time they won by two scores. Uh, so 2017, they played them. Um, in Cincinnati in the first week, and they crushed them. Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right. I forgot about that one. Um, but yeah, I feel like they're due for an ass kick into the Bengals after all the all the heartbreakers and like last year on Thursday Night Football, and it's a different team with Zach Taylor coming into Baltimore. The Ravens are trying to prove themselves and had a pretty solidifying win. And then schematically as well, I think that 
the Ravens are going to be able to bottle up Joe Mixon, who I think is an outstanding running back and just in a really crappy situation right now. Um, and then home field advantage, I think will pay dividends in this one. And the Ravens know that they have tough games coming up. So I don't think they're overlooking it. They're like going to try their hardest not to overlook it because they have to get this win to be in a good, in good shape. We're talking about a lot of deep shots on offense there. Hollywood Brown over under 65 yards. I'm going to go over. I think this it, he's due. Um, there's been a little funk going on, except he's he's fully participating in practice, right? He's not on the injury report. I think he was on the report, but I don't know if that prohibited him from practicing. I think he might be off of it as of today. Okay. But I think uh, I think he's able to hit some shots at home. And I mean, I'm just I'm just sick already. And it's so early in the season, but I'm just sick of the idea that like, oh, teams are playing off and playing deep. That means we can't throw the ball deep. That's a that's a load of BS. Like, you can still design double moves. You can still have rollouts and, like, wheel routes that go across. There's tons of ways to throw. What really I, annoys I, me about that is that they're playing 10 yards off the guy, and that's some of the best production that he had at Oklahoma was just catching the ball, like, within two or three seconds of the play starting. Yeah, Roman got asked about that today at the press conference. They were kind of saying, you know, what's the deal with not throwing screens and kind of more designed, shorter stuff to Hollywood, just like you just said. And he was like, well, that'll come in due time. We can't do everything at once. But I don't like that. I don't I really don't like that answer. You can do everything at once. You can call screens and also call deep stuff. I don't I feel like they predicate one another's success. So that's a weird. Exactly. Exactly. It's like. He's saying two opposite things. He's saying conflicting things like the defense gives you this, so you take what they give you. Well, if they're playing cushion, then run a freaking screen or run bubble screen, quick hitter, like speed out and stuff. And they have a couple times, but I I don't know. I feel like I feel like it's partially Lamar, but also Roman's play calling is not dictating successful things. And I think that both sides of the ball, Wink and Roman, leave like a lot of player – uh, like openness to changing the play and having, you know, like reading each other and whatnot, like the Mark Andrews miss against the Browns on third down where Andrews ended up learning a wheel, like that kind of stuff. I feel like there's too much room for a really young team to be making these decisions and it kind of needs to be concise and consolidated by a very experienced offensive coordinator a little bit more. Like I appreciate the freedom and I'm sure the players love that, but I want it reeled in a tad. Do you feel like this is a good game to kind of unleash Lamar as a runner? Cause that's the vibe that I'm getting. It seems like they hate having Lamar run anything up the gut. And he's only attacking the perimeters. And I feel like that spills out into his pocket presence. Like how many times have you seen him just come forward between the hashes in the pocket and scramble? So I would like to see like it seems like he's got a really good understanding now, kind of more professional way of protecting himself. And there's been a lot of talk about how well he's protecting himself. So I'd like to see kind of like the veer is the opposite of an option where the a read option, the running back is typically going to attack the gut 
and the quarterback pulls and can take the ball outside. The veer is the opposite where it's outside zone for the running back and the quarterback can go up the gut, kind of like he did against the Browns a couple of times last year. And I would like to see him attack north and south some and use that speed because that's how he can just get gone in a flash and score a long touchdown. Yeah, so that's what I was thinking of. So last year, week 11, he gets his first career start against this team and he just ran like the freaking wind. And I'm specifically remembering a play. I think it was the first drive because I went nuts. They spread it out like five wide. The field is completely spread. The defense is all over the place. And he just takes a snap. The center just starts sprinting downfield and he follows the center and he ran for like 40 yards on the play. And like he took a massive hit at the end of it. So I'm not really calling for that. But I just think more stuff where you spread the defense out, make them think you're going to throw it around or something like that. And then you just boot them right up the middle of the field. It feels like that's an easy way to get some cheap yards, don't you think? I think it especially opens up the traditional read option. So I absolutely agree because you like defensive ends know all right, Ingram's going to be the threat inside on this one and Lamar's going to be the threat outside and it'll just switch things up on them. So even if the play is not successful, it just adds another element and adds to that multiplicity that the Ravens offense is predicated on. So I absolutely agree with you. Yeah, definitely. It feels like doing that will also open up the running game and get the tight ends going up the middle of the field as well. It's just going to open things up a little bit more. So I do want to see them being a little more multidimensional in the way that they choose to run him uh, because it feels like he his running is an asset that is going to need to be used down the stretch in the season. And maybe they're saving it for, I mean, they've got a tough stretch coming up. They're going to have to play the Rams, the Niners, the Patriots, the Seahawks. So maybe they're saving those, you know, wrinkles a little bit for those teams um, and and just trying to be more almost preseason-esque in their running attack and and our guys are going to line up. We're going to run inside and outside zone and our offensive line is going to handle you guys, which I don't hate. Um, But if the game is close, yeah, absolutely. And going back to the screens and stuff, it, it's just like making things a little easier. Like why you have a second year quarterback. I feel like he's really improved on throwing those screens and stuff from last year with his mechanics and whatnot. Like help him out a little bit. Like how many screens does a normal team run? If you, I feel like if I watch half the teams in the league, half of their plays are freaking screens. Um, and there's, there's not, there's not a lot of like running back swing passes or, you know, just easy stuff there in the passing game. And for instance, like they ran that awesome fake screen for the Mark Andrews touchdown in Miami. Where is that stuff? Like the RPOs have kind of died out some, I don't, I, I don't know. And like, I get that you want Lamar to, you know, work on his passing and be more legitimate and whatever, but where there's zero gimmick to this offense. I feel like like there's it's very like not traditional because they do so much stuff, but like uh, it's just not gimmicky in any way, shape or form. I'd like to see a little bit of funk, a little bit of double reverse, a little bit of, you know, double screen, some stuff. I feel like it's a weird offense in that sense that there's not any bells and whistles to it at all other than they're kind of meat and potatoes feels like they have more way more pop in the running game uh to the point where they should be utilizing play action a lot more than it seems like they do maybe maybe the numbers you know don't support that but it just feels like i agree with you completely i think the numbers should be way higher but keep going yeah you mentioned that kind of fake screen i think that was actually against arizona week two it was like a fake screen 
or it was like a, a play action. Then he faked. You're a, right. You're right. It was Arizona. Yeah. And he faked a, a screen pass out to the wide receiver. Didn't go there. And then Andrews is just wide open. So I think you could maybe do some more stuff like that to kind of open things up down the field because it does feel like it's one dimensional up near the line of scrimmage. And then that is maybe potentially what's not allowing the guys to get open down the field uh, a lot of the time. And- and I, I haven't looked at the play action numbers in a couple of weeks specifically. I'm, I'm sure that they're very high in the league. I'm sure they're probably top five. But I feel like the ball fakes have been kind of lazy, too. Like, yeah. they're not selling the play action. Whereas, like, we watched Baker Mayfield, and he didn't really make any crazy throws, but he's selling the hell out of the ball fakes. And that one might I, I blame that on Lamar and the coaching staff a little bit like coaching staff needs to remind him like hey buddy sell the ball fake and then like Lamar's probably has too much to think of and he is so young but it's just those little things that I think help like really d- d- dip down and it also goes to the running back needing to sell it more and that'll open stuff up that's why the linebackers get flat footed because they can't see the ball it's kind of like just been this Cam Newton thing that I feel like Cam Newton's been doing the last like three years where Lamar just kind of dips his head for a second and the running back like doesn't even really actually do anything like no fake the handoff and have six blockers in and give Lamar time get the linebackers to bite and then throw it over their head so I want the play action ball fakes executed better if you're a golf fan and you follow the no laying up podcast which you definitely should if you are a golf fan and you don't they talk about something called uh tour sauce uh which is something that uh pro golfers it's things that only they do when they're playing. So, you know, they'll bomb a, a tee shot with a driver and they, they just kind of look at it for a second and then they just pick up their tee and act like nothing happened. Like, I feel like Lamar needs to do a little bit of the equivalent of like pro QB sauce. So start putting a little more sauce on your ball fakes. Look cool out there. Like Mahomes I'm, does I'm it. a sauce boss. I'm a certified sauce boss. So I'm all about that. Yeah. Absolutely. Like Mahomes is putting QB sauce and Baker too all over their, their ball fakes. And I feel like if Lamar you know, did that a, he looks cooler. So that helps everyone. And B, uh, it probably helps with the ball fake itself. So I think Lamar needs to get a little more, uh, sometimes style points translate to real points. They do. Uh, I, I think of Mahomes doing the, you know, I got on him a little bit for getting a little crazy with his ball fakes against the Ravens. Um, but it worked, obviously he hit Kelsey wide open in the middle of the field. Uh, you think Baker throwing that touchdown against them last year when he like popped the ball on like a fake, uh, um, yes. sweep and then he hit I think it was Perryman like right up the seam um, I think so too on the left side of the field so yeah put, put a little more sauce on, on the on the ball fakes it's, it helps exactly everyone. and like that's the I'm not talking I, I did say double reverses and stuff but just just a little bit more sauce a little bit more add it to the offense and get some stuff going and I mean maybe they don't want him messing around because he fumbled so many damn times last year but I think he's got that on lock and if it's practiced and not some like rushed panicky thing that's installed last minute or whatever then it'll be executed fine i feel like you know he's been there hasn't been i think there's been there was a bad snap last week but that was under center and i don't think there's been any like skur has gotten a lot better with not throwing those freaking knuckleballs he was throwing last year um but yeah more sauce that's all we want qb sauce baby yes sir so is there anything really left to cover we've hit the offense and the defense um the Bengals are trotting out a new offensive line combination. They're kicking their center, Billy Price, who I loved coming out of Ohio State. He has been decent. Um, they're kicking him to guard, and I'm not sure who they're replacing with at center. And the Bengals' offensive line has been bad, but I just want to touch on, like, the pass rush needs to win one-on-ones in this game. 
and get some momentum moving forward going to Seattle. Seattle's offensive line is not great by any means. They've uh, adjusted kind of running. I feel like they ran, started running the ball more because their offensive line was so bad like three years ago that having a power running game helps a bad offensive line like get pushed forward to kind of keep defenders from pinning their ears back and going after Russ. So the Ravens, if they, if they, this is basically like it for the pass rush for me. If they don't take advantage, Jace Winovich just scored a touchdown. Shout out Michigan. Go blue. I don't uh, like the fact that you're ahead of me. I'm always ahead of you. And I'm at, like, I'm not at home right now. I'm at France. So you're watching on the TV, right? Yes. You're streaming. Yeah. It's the, I don't know why I do this with myself. I have the TV. I could just easily put that on, but I was just on my Xbox. So I just put it on Amazon prime. You're out teching yourself. You're getting too far into the future. I'm just more of a millennial than you. Maybe, except you're actually you're on the you're the last of the millennials, aren't you? Yeah, 95. I might even not even be millennial. I'm like 90. I think it depends on like what website you look at. Like some say 95, some say 94. All I know is I was referred to as a millennial literally until like a year ago when the new Gen Z or whatever started to become a thing. Yeah, all of a sudden, they're like, oh, it's all Gen Z now. You're you're not a you're not a Tide Pod kid. You're a millennial. No, we'll I, I'm definitely a millennial. Which is funny that that's now like a compliment or like a point of pride. <laughs> Always the younger generation just gets shit on. Um, but yeah, anyway, offensive line. If the Ravens, I'm very concerned about the pass rush. I was going to say, what are you expecting from them in this game? Because this offensive line is not good. I'm expecting three sacks and five quarterback hits or like. Uh oh, like we've said, uh oh, but it's like, uh oh, you're at home. Awful offensive line. I feel like the offense is going to put the Bengals in a position where they have to throw a lot. And the like the Browns gash the Ravens. Other than that game, they've been pretty solid defending the run. And Brandon Williams was out against the Browns and apparently makes way more of a difference than I originally thought. So shout out, big baby. Keep doing your thing. I, lo- I love Judon, but this feels like a big like Judon's just going to feast on a terrible team and then like make a big deal with his celebrations and put some sacks Raiders, out there. Raiders of last year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just what I was thinking. That's what we need, though. That's what Judon needs. We need that to start getting getting going. Sack sauce. Um, yeah. Sack sauce. This is all right. All we want. Ravens. We are Ravens fans. We're not going to front. You know, we read about the Ravens act as professionals. Wait, what? We're Ravens fans? I thought we were objective analysts. Shut up. <laughs> anyway, we just want some sauce against the Bengals. Put the Big Mac sauce on. I want sriracha, ranch. Dress it up with the dressing. That's all we want. Oh, is that what you'd say to the players in the press room? Heck. <laughs> Shout out, uh, Guys hating on me because I said Lamar didn't play so good. <laughs> oh, no, he had a bad game. That's not possible, right? With your media credential. We only got two. God damn it. Now, now we're getting into press sauce territory. I would have too much press sauce. I don't ever want to I feel like you that. already do. For the limited amount of press that you um, already are, I think you already put... In my interview with Kenny Young, I did say I'm going to start calling you ranch because you be dressing. So I'm already talking about sauce. I've already got the sauce. I am the sauce. Okay. This has been a great preview of the Bengals game. Um, Very professionally done. Is there anything else we want to cover before we get rolling? 
I love you, Justin Tucker. I haven't appreciated him enough. I'm just going to say I have not. Yeah, I'm kind of like a screw the kicker guy. Like, oh, like kickers are not football players. Number one, he did make an awesome tackle last week. Number two, he truly is so good. And I feel like I have not appreciated him enough. So just shout out Justin Tucker. I've been That's- a Tucker guy since day one. Like literally when they got him out of Texas, I was like, I loved this guy. At Texas. I did look him out of Texas, uh, for sure. Yeah, it was like this guy, because that was coming off of the Cundiff year. It was like, all right, th- let's just give it to this guy. Like, I'm done with Cundiff. And yeah, that's how it worked out. After like 2015, after Tucker was just like, uh, like after like a little bit after that Lions game where he went six for six and hit like 14 50-yard field goals and the 61-yarder. Since a little bit after that, I'm just like, oh, yeah, like he's going to make it. If he misses, I'm just like, whatever, he's going to like he deserved like he needs to miss some like he's too good. But just just thanks. Just thanks. Number nine for all you do. We really appreciate you. Yeah. I mean, he may have just saved their season, to be honest. I I feel like this is going to be like we haven't had like a Justin Tucker year since that Detroit Lions year. That was like a huge year for him. He was an all pro once or has he not been an all pro? I think he has at least once. I think he was once, but not like enough. There's always like they lo- it's the same thing as like Tom Brady never wins MVP when clearly Tom Brady is MVP. Like it's always like, like last year was Jason Myers went to the Pro Bowl instead of Tucker and was like all pro. It's like the media gives those awards and stuff. So it's like, oh, the hot new young guy, like obviously Tucker's great. Blah, blah. Like, no, I want Justin Tucker, Tucker on the all pro team. And I'm calling the final 11 weeks of the season or yeah, 11 weeks of the season. Like big Tucker year. This is going to be a big Tucker year. He's going to hit like three game winners moving forward. That's my bold predicky moving forward. I mean, I like it if he's kicking game winners. I don't want it to necessarily be a big Tucker year because you talk about 2013. The reason that's a big Tucker year is because the offense was not good. Doo-doo. Yeah, it was doo-doo. Um, but I'm saying game winners. He's and a just three. Like, he's he, a, only misses, he only misses 50 yarders. Like, he is 50. a three-time first-team All-Pro. Oh, okay, I was completely wrong then. One-time second-team, so. two-time Pro Bowl. Damn, I was completely wrong. I was going to say, yeah, he's definitely done that at least once. Like, yeah. Okay, so I was wrong. But anyway, I want it this year again. He wasn't last year. So I want I want all pro again. I feel like he's like – I feel like the Justin Tucker media hype train is like reemerging now, especially after last week. Kick I don't yourself. know why. Also, his like – the most underappreciated part of him, aside from field goals especially, is he has been hanging – him and Goskowski both are like the dons of doing this. The Ravens – so Mike Tomlin said in the post-game press conference the reason that the Steelers kicked off, deferred in overtime was because the Ravens were pinning them so deep on kickoffs. And it's because Tucker can hang the ball so perfectly where it drops inside the five, so you have to return it. But the kick coverage is already down the field. And that's super impressive considering the kick coverage was altered and they don't get a running start anymore. So he has been absolutely slaughtering the kick coverage, hang time kicks. And just, just again, shout out nine. That's all. I couldn't believe that was Tomlin's reasoning. I was like, what? I mean, it made sense. They were LJ Fort made the first tackle on his first snap as a Raven on like the 14 yard line on the opening kickoff. No, I'm, I, I'm not saying it wasn't valid. It's just crazy to hear like a kicker is the reason why. He was yeah. that sick of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. It's smart though. He was, he didn't want Devlin being backed up against the 15 and then punting the ball into sudden death. Like they had been stopping Jackson for the most part. So it made like a lot of sense. I think that was a really great move by Tomlin. Yeah, no, uh, I got, I definitely got it in a moment, sure. but I, I thought they did it because 
they were like, yeah, let's just stop them. And then, you know, we've got a little bit of a limited quarterback situation here. Let's just get a stop, try to kick a field goal and get out of town. Right. Let's put it on the defense instead of the, you know, the third string quarterback immediately. Right. But it's it's I mean, the Ravens special team seems like I feel like they the last couple of years, they let up a couple of big returns here and there and stuff. And I feel like they did get Bethel. They did get Trey Wick. They got LJ Fort, who played every single coverage snap last week. And I feel like Ravens special teams like actual legit dominance is back. I think they were never outside of fourth in DVOA on special teams from, I think it was uh, 07 to uh, 16 or something, or it might've been 15 cause they were stinky, but it's right around there. So I think they're, they were, they've never been outside of the top 10 under Rossberg. And now that it's transitioned to uh, Horton, I think they're back to truly, truly dominating. Yep, definitely. I uh, like what I've seen from them so far. And I guess we inadvertently covered special teams as well. An underrated yeah. aspect of the game. Absolutely. As always. Always underrated. Always will be. You hear that, Voss? Special teamers. Very important. And Kyle. And Kyle, too. They yeah. both love it. Yeah. Both of you guys. Just oh, wait. No, Voss hates it. Never mind. Never mind. Never yeah, mind. I was trolling him. Yeah, Voss hates special teams. Um, but, yeah, we covered all phases. Score prediction. Go. Ravens 26, Bengals 19. I'm going Ravens 38. Bengals 20, 17, 38, 17. I think the Ravens, they're due. They're due to destroy the Bengals at home. It would be just nice to get a fucking blowout, dude. Oh, my God. And then I can just get rip-roaring hammered in, like, the second quarter. I'm going to Purple Patio. Ooh. Ooh, saucy. Yeah, that's going to be rowdy. I've never been. Purple Patio at Mother's. Come, Come get a beer with me. It's... Awful to get a drink, but very fun in every other aspect. Yeah, I think I'm probably just going to pregame it because I can imagine it gets yes. quite rowdy. Yes. Um, yeah, I'll be in lot A as usual. DM me on Twitter, whatever. Hit me up wherever. And I'll have some some brouhaha's if any of our faithfuls want to come. So you watch at your tailgate. What'd you say? You watch at your tailgate? Watch what? Oh, no, never mind. I'm sorry. For some reason. No, 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 no. no. For, yeah. I, I go in the game, but some people some people do do that. No, Those yeah, are, I don't I don't know what it was. For some reason, I just had this in my mind as an away game for a second there. So I was like, wait, your tailgate? I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, that was it's, it's Thursday. We're we're ready for the week to be over and for college football, NFL football. <sighs> yeah, damn right. Um, it's been eight. But yeah, so we're predicting Ravens wins. I've actually predicted Ravens win every. I swear I'm not going to do it all season, but every game so far, I was very confident about the Chiefs game. Gee, yeah, that was that was, was a rough one. I was like, yeah, I, I wish I could be as optimistic as you in this one, but I'm not. They made it close. That game was – the box score was closer than it was slightly. And then, honestly, same with the Browns game because they were up 40 to 18 at one point in the fourth quarter. Um, but, yeah, so Ravens dubs. I'm – I have 100% confidence in this game. Yeah, you know, I don't have 100% confidence in this team at all, but I'm expecting a win. Well, I guess that about wraps it up, my good sir. All right. Talk to you Sunday. A brief one, but we'll uh, we'll see on Sunday. Talk I mean, we Sunday. say brief. It's like 50 minutes running right now. Is it? Oh, my God. I thought it was like 30. Um, but, yeah, the year of the Tucker, the year of the goat in Chinese Zodiac New Year stuff. QB sauce. QB sauce. Sauce it up. Everybody put a little extra sauce on your dinner on Friday night. And, yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. We'll catch you on Monday with a little bit of a game recap. If you enjoyed this show, feel free to subscribe to it wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star rating and uh, leave a review for us in there. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at Podcast Beatdown. You can follow me at Jake Luke. That's L-O-U-Q-U-E. You can follow Spencer at Ravens 4 Dummies. That's the number four in the middle there. And check out BaltimoreBeatdown.com for some of our written content. Spencer's been doing a lot of stuff. I've been pumping some stuff out as well. So check that out if you like the show. And uh, we'll talk to you guys on Monday. Yeah, Jake gives a little bit more of a scouting report, um, like a very in-depth scouting report. So check those out weekly. He's been doing a great job. But yeah, okay, bye. Later. You see, I, don't, I ain't no big sack man. I don't like sacks, man. Mm-hmm. See, sacks take me out of my game. I like running from down. I like interceptions and touchdowns. Busting up the I'll streams be. and blocking punts. Like, <laughs> you in the gutter. You yeah, I like you're that. You in the gun. I like that pump and grind. He like the trench work. That boy like to get down. I like down and dirty. I like busting up screens. Yeah. <laughs> I just like hitting quarterbacks. That's my plan. That's, yeah. that's a nice. I grab a quarterback. <laughs> 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 bang, 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 all day. <laughs> <laughs>